0: We're in Acts this morning, Acts chapter 21, uh, and um, not in Acts last week for Easter, but getting back and really as far as our series, we've been going through the book of Acts and we've only got a couple of weeks left um, as uh, Paul's missionary journey um, is moving toward its end and really um, we are moving toward the end of Paul's life. Uh, we left off before Easter with Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders, um, and we pick up there with his travels from Miletus, where he was, to Jerusalem. And this will be Paul's final visit to Jerusalem. Uh, so we're going to talk about what we see in the the story as a whole, um, but I want us to to dig in and focus uh, this morning on on what we see in the relationships this morning that are in these verses. Relationships with one another, um, those are horizontal relationships, and um, Paul's relationship and the church's relationship with God, those vertical relationships. So uh, let's start this morning um, talking uh, just about the story. We don't want to skip over that, but the story is really Paul heading to Jerusalem. We're going to read in verse uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 16, but I want us to back up and look at uh, a couple of verses in chapter 20 because it ties in with what we're talking about today, and, and we just continue to see it unfold. So chapter 20, verse 22, And now behold, this is Paul talking, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God." So Paul says he is constrained by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. This is um, a big part of what we're talking about today, constrained by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. He says that he has no idea what's going to happen to him there. He only knows because uh, God has, has told him that in every city that he goes to, there will be suffering. Um, this was not a new message for Paul Uh, Paul got this message right at his conversion. It was also the message that the Lord gave to uh, Ananias. Ananias was the disciple who was there uh, to help Paul after his conversion. And and the Spirit said to Ananias, uh, Help Paul, he is going to be my witness to the Gentiles, and he will do this with great suffering. So not a new message, and certainly not a new thing. We've seen it in every city that Paul goes to. Paul told the Ephesian elders um, that same thing. Didn't know what was going to happen to him when he he went. He didn't care what was going to happen to him. His his life meant little to him. What his great desire was, was to finish uh, the mission that God had given him to do, proclaiming the gospel of his grace in Jesus Christ. So he was going to Jerusalem constrained, compelled by the Spirit, pressed by the Spirit to carry out um, this mission. So now we pick up in 21, verse 1. And when we had parted from from them, the Ephesian elders, and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos and the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at uh, Ptolemaeus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. We entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. So Paul, again, compelled by the Spirit, is headed to Jerusalem. Uh, The ship that he's on stops in Tyre to unload uh, its cargo. Paul finds disciples there in Tyre, um, other believers from the church there, and he stays in Tyre with them for seven days. While he's there, verse 4 says that the people, by way of the Holy Spirit, by way of the Holy Spirit, are telling Paul not to go uh, to Jerusalem. Um, Paul, of course, does go. Uh, So they stop again in Ptolemaeus where where they stayed, Luke says, with the brothers, other believers for one day. And then they departed for Caesarea where Philip, the evangelist, lived. Philip was one of the first deacons going back to Acts chapter 6. Um, Philip was also one of those believers that when... Um, persecution of the church started. Uh, The believers were scattered. Philip was one of those who was scattered. He traveled from Jerusalem through uh, Samaria, uh, the evangelist, sharing the gospel with uh, all the cities that he went through. And he landed in Caesarea where he had a family and raised his family uh, and was a big part of the church there in Caesarea. So he, Philip, verse 9, had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt around his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem." So again, we see the the believers, the brothers and sisters urging Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Uh, Agabus, a a prophet, says uh, to Paul, Thus says the Holy Spirit, Here is how they will bind you and turn you over to the Gentiles, to the Romans. Uh, And they are urging, again, Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Verse 13, Paul answers, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Menason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom uh, we should lodge. Okay, so against all warnings, um, all of the warnings that Paul was receiving, Paul pressed on. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. Uh, and he and his team traveled to Jerusalem for the very last time. We'll pick up there next week. So that's really the big picture of what we see in these verses. Paul's missionary journey. It's Paul heading back to Jerusalem, and, and, and we'll talk about the things that happened. His last visit there. Um, that's the big picture. Now, I want to explain something here. Um, Acts, the book of Acts, is a narrative. It's just a written story. And so when we come to the Bible and we read narratives, the type of literature that it is, um, this isn't something that's giving us a lot of commands, do this and don't do that. Uh, It's just a story. I mean, it's not just a story, but it is a story. Uh, It's a great story, and as we read that story, I think what we're invited to more than do's and don'ts is to look at the lives of the people there and to make observations from the story and ask questions as we go through Acts, and we've been doing this every week, Um, really, like, how does my life look in light of their lives? When we observe their lives in light of the gospel and what God was doing, what can we learn about our, our own lives? So this morning, as we're talking about this, and I want to dig in a little bit deeper beneath the surface and talk about the relationships that we see, that's, that's what stands out to me. Um, or did this week as I was talking about it, relationships. I want us to, to dig beneath the surface and talk about the relationships that we see, horizontal relationships uh, between Paul and the, and the churches around him, like we have horizontal relationships with one another and the people around us, and also vertical Uh, the vertical relationship that these believers had with God and the vertical relationship that Paul had with God, even together that they had with God. So that's where we're going. Um, And I want to start with those horizontal relationships between Paul and the other believers. Um, Think about what we just read, right? Think a little bit more deeply about what we just read. um, and, and, And let's look a little bit more closely. As Paul traveled, the believers housed Paul and his team. Right, everywhere that Paul traveled, we've been talking about all the cities that he went to, from one to another to another, and, and sometimes, even along the way, stopping in cities that, that maybe Luke hasn't mentioned. But everywhere that Paul went, he had a place to stay. It was always with other believers in that in that city. Seven days he stayed in Tyre. Um, uh, one day in Ptolemais. Uh, Caesarea he was there for we don't know how long because it doesn't say Um, but in all of those when Paul was in Ephesus he was there for years Uh, and and Paul worked he was a tent maker and he worked so that he hadn't didn't have to depend on the church to take care of him he didn't want to be a burden to the church well on on this trip back to Jerusalem Paul doesn't really have time to get his business cranked up and, and make tents. And so what Paul is doing is staying with the believers in those cities. Now, when he stayed, he stayed in their in their houses they fed him they met his needs whatever his physical needs were they took care of him they cared for him whatever care that Paul needed he received in those cities in the homes of those believers now I I want you to think about this a little bit more deeply as well Um, like if you've ever had people come and stay with you for a day or two days or three days seven days um, it can become a burden right or is that just me no, it can become a burden, right? So think about this for, for these folks. The homes that they lived in were very, very small homes. They didn't have guest rooms for the most part. They, they were all crammed into a really, really small home. And so this was a, w- would be a real inconvenience for them to have someone come and stay for a day or two or three or seven days like Paul did in Tyre. It would cost them to invite Paul into their house, for them to make room for him, for them to provide for him. They didn't have the modern conveniences that we do in our homes, so cooking would be harder, uh, water would be harder, everything in their life would be, would be harder, yet here they were in, in this horizontal relationship, they were serving Paul and Paul's team everywhere he went, the homes were opened up, and Paul and his team were welcomed. So the believers housed Paul. The believers also ministered to Paul when he was there. Look again at verse 5. I want to walk through and just point some of these out, but verse 5, um, very powerful verse to me. When our days there were ended entire we departed and went on our journey. They all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. So here's a picture. For seven days, Saul and his team have been staying in Tyre. For seven days, they've been with these families, and now the ship is ready to set sail. And so these families who have been taking care of of Paul and all the people with him are, are now taking him to the ship. They walk him to the ship, the wives, the husbands, and all of the children. And they get there early enough that they're not rushing him off. Okay, see you later. They all go down to the beach together. They gather on the beach, and they kneel together on the beach and pray together. Praying with Paul and praying for Paul. I love that. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't like at the end of seven days they were like, "Whoo, good riddance. You know what I'm saying? They love Paul. And they ministered to him. They ministered to him um, by praying with us. In verse 10, another way we see them ministering. In verse 10, we see Agabus, the prophet. Now, this is almost certainly um, Agabus who prophesied of the coming drought and famine that was coming to that area in chapter 11. He prophesied, it says in chapter 11, in the spirit. And here he is doing the same thing um but this time rather than just general there's a big drought coming everybody should get ready he is specifically prophesying over Paul and what is about to happen in his life. And he, he sort of dramatically acts out, which is common in the Old Testament of the prophets there, what is about to take place with Paul. He takes Paul's belt and he wraps up his, his own hands and, and, and feet and says, this is what they are going to do to the man who owns this, this belt. They will turn you over to the Gentiles, to the Romans. What Agabus was doing there was ministering to Paul. Don't miss that. Like God, God, God had given a, a spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit had, to Agabus, and Agabus was, was working and exercising in that spiritual gift, ministering to Paul, his brother, e- even though it was bad news, ministering in his spiritual gift to his brother Paul. This was a ministry. In verse 4 and then in verse 12, we see two different churches who are urging Paul not to go to Jerusalem. In in both of those churches, it mentions the Holy Spirit. They felt the Holy Spirit warning that Paul should not go to to that place. And and so uh, in love, these churches are begging Paul, again, ministry of the Spirit through them, begging Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. They loved him. Verse thirteen. Uh, just as the churches in in from um, the elders, rather from the church in Ephesus had done, uh, this church weeps with Paul, and they weep for Paul as Paul is leading them and heading to Jerusalem. Right. So we see in these verses as far as that horizontal relationship, we see the people housing. Paul. We see the people ministering to Paul. What, what we see in that, in the way that they were operating with Paul, is a people who loved Paul. They, they loved Paul. They cared deeply for him. This was their horizontal relationship, e- even at great cost. They loved Paul, and they wanted to serve Paul, and they wanted to, to minister to him. Um, and, and, and I know I, I didn't say it, but I, I, even though we don't see it explicitly here, all of those things that we say about them, I think that we could say of Paul as well. That vertical relationship was not one-sided. Paul loved them. Paul ministered to them. Paul served them. And there was this this mutual love for one another, ministering to one another and caring for one another, um, even though we don't see it there. We have seen it throughout the book of Acts, all as a part of Paul's life. So I well imagine that it was taking place here. Paul was teaching them. He was teaching them the gospel. He was teaching them scripture. Paul would have been encouraging them, encouraging them in the gospel. Paul loved them deeply. Paul prayed for them, and he prayed with them. All of that was give and take with Paul and the church. That was their their horizontal relationship. Um, Now, Luke doesn't say this, but I, I, I think it could be said That what we see in these believers and in Paul is them living out their identities in Christ. We talk a pretty good bit at New City about our identities in Christ. Um, This is one of the ways that the gospel changes everything. We are not the people that we used to be. Our identity, when we become believers and and we are forgiven of sin, we are redeemed, we are restored to a right relationship with the Father, our identity is completely changed. Now, we talk about it at New City um, in, in three ways, family, missionary, and servant. We'd say we are, because of our identities in Christ, a family of missionary servants. I don't think it is a stretch at all, even though Luke doesn't say that, for us to see those identities here in the the horizontal relationships between Paul um, and these people like they, they, they lived as family right? that's why they took Paul in so readily one of their family members was in town and needed a place to stay so, so, so they loved and cared for Paul just like Paul was family they provided for his needs including a place to stay even if it cost them something because that's what you do with family I, I think as, as well, um, when they housed Paul, it, I, I love the book of Philippians, and, and Paul talks in Philippians about how that church was a partner with Paul in his gospel mission, in his gospel ministry. I think these people would have felt the same way. I think that they, they felt that they were partners with Paul in the mission that he had. They, they, this is how they shared Paul's mission. They shared this mission that Paul was on by providing for him when he was there, by giving him a place to stay, by meeting his needs. This is how they were a part of the mission for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, through Paul and his team. They partnered with him. So again, I, I, I think family is obvious. I think seeing them in their engagement in Paul's mission is, is obvious. And I, I don't think we would have to look far at all to see that they were servants serving Paul and, and, and his team who stayed with them. Serving them to meet their needs, their physical needs, serving them by ministering to them when they were there. So so what I'm saying, New City, is, uh, you know, on the surface, this is just Paul taking his last trip to Jerusalem and making some stops along the way. But if we dig in a little bit deeper deeper here, I I, I think we get a glimpse of what it means to live truly as a family of missionary servants. We get to see that in their lives uh, as as they lived it out, And, and look at the results of that deep and meaningful relationships. They enjoyed these deep and meaningful relationships horizontally with one another. They received ministry and they gave ministry as well. They, they, they gathered together with, with, with one another and as, as families, as, as one big family, to pray together. And these relationships were, were so deep that, that the thought of Paul leaving and not returning brought them to weeping at his potential loss. The gospel changed their identities. It it, it does. It changes our identity. It changes who we are. And when we live in light of of that truth, then it changes everything in our horizontal relationships. It gives us what we truly long for. I said this a couple of weeks ago. This is what we were created for. What we see in these relationships, that's what we were we were created for. I, I think it's what we long for. So, so that's what we see beneath the surface in their horizontal relationships. But, but we also see something of their vertical relationships. And what I mean by that is their relationship with God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, l- let me start with the believers and and some things that we see of the believers and their vertical relationship with God. Uh, I, I just talked about these identities in Christ. Um, sometimes we we hear things and we think, "Oh, this is a list of things that I have to do." Um, what I'm talking about is being, not doing. We need to live in, in, in who we are, and, and what happens as a result is the doing, rather than jumping right into the doing. They were living by faith. They were, they were living their life not as a duty, oh, Pastor Keith said we're family, so I have to do this thing. Right? That, that's, that's not the way that they were living their life. They were living their life by faith. They believed Jesus. They believed Jesus. They believed who he was. They believed what he had done. They believed um, not in the sense of mental assent or knowing. Like if you've been around here long enough, you hear me talk about family, missionary, servant all the time. And we we may hear it enough that we know it, but this wasn't them knowing it. This was them deeply in their heart and soul believing the truth that their identity had been changed by the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were not the people who they used to be. They believed it. They believed that Jesus was truly redeeming fallen and broken people, and they were a part of that. They believed that, 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 that they were his family, sons and daughters of God, right? They were his family, and as sons and daughters, they lived among a people who, who were their brothers and sisters. They, they, they believed it. And, and so what happens when we believe it is we do it. They didn't, they didn't take Paul in out of obligation They took Paul in with joy because one of their family members was in town and needed a place to stay. They they, they believed that. They believed they were family. They believed they were a part of God's big plan in, in, in redeeming people and seeing people reconciled to the Father. They believed that they were ambassadors for Christ, pleading with others, given the ministry of reconciliation, sharing the gospel with the world around them. They believed the Great Commission was their commission. As you go about life, make disciples of of all the nations, all the people that you come across, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. They believed that they were those missionaries. And so they didn't do things because someone told them they had to do things. They did things because it's who they were. They didn't do things to be missionaries. They were missionaries, and this is what missionaries do. Are you with me? They truly believed. They believed that life was, was more than, than, than serving themselves. They believed they were servants in the image of Jesus, and servants serve. And so they were joyfully willing to serve Paul and his people. They believed that their life was more than, than raising kids or planning for retirement or marriage or taking really memorable trips and having great experiences. They believed that God had called them to something more. And so, what I'm saying in this, in this vertical relationship with them is that when we look at their life, what we see is faith. They believed. They believed who God was. They believed what God had done. They believed who Jesus was. They believed what what Jesus had done for them. They believed that they were new creations in Christ Jesus. That's what we see. And so so what we see of them doing is just the overflow. Their faithfulness is just the overflow. Not, Not of being good people who are good at doing things. It's the overflow of the faith that they have in God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think we see as well glimpses of their walk with Him um, through their yielding to the Holy Spirit. Entire, Luke mentions that it was through the Spirit that they were were pleading with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, while we don't have details of, of all that that looked like and what that meant, we have enough to see that these people walked with the Spirit. They walked with the Spirit. We have enough to know that they recognized the voice of the Holy Spirit. The reason that they recognized the voice of the Holy Spirit was because they spent time with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't the first time that they had heard from the Holy Spirit. They walked with the Holy Spirit. They they recognized the the voice of the Holy Spirit. They recognized His, His leading and they followed Him. All of that because they had a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And we should as well. We should as well. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us. This is God with us. That's what we see. This is God with us. Jesus taught His disciples that. The Holy Spirit leading us, convicting us, empowering us. God dwelling with His people. The Spirit with us until the day of our final redemption. We see it, too, in, in verses 9 through 11. Philip has four daughters um, who, who, who prophesied, um, living with the Spirit. That, that's what we see. The, these four daughters prophesied, and, and, and they prophesied by the Spirit. What we see in these daughters is them living with the Spirit and living with His gifting, even though we don't have details at all of what they prophesied about. Um, The Holy Spirit in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit manifests His presence in believers, right? Paul says, we all, the day that we believe, receive the Holy Spirit. He is in us. He is with us. And, And Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, give us the gifts of the Spirit. This is how the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in and through us for the good of the body of Christ, through these spiritual gifts, prophecy is one of those gifts that is mentioned. So we have these, these four daughters who had the gift of prophecy. They walked with the Holy Spirit. We have Agabus. Um, we already mentioned him as, as a prophet. He lived his life with boldness and confidence in the Spirit. We see that in his prediction of the famine uh, from chapter 11 earlier in the book of, of Acts. We see it here when he's talking to Paul about what is going to happen to him and acting this out um, before this group of, of people, the church, acting this out. Paul, this is what's going to happen to you when, you when you go to Jerusalem. They're going to bind you up and they're going to turn you over um, to, to the Romans. He is is operating in the Holy Spirit. He is is using the gift of the Spirit, and Agabus does so with great confidence and boldness. Do you know why? Because he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so he had a confidence that he heard this is from the Holy Spirit. That this is thus says the Holy Spirit. That's what Agabus said. I hear the voice of the Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit. I trust the Holy Spirit because I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So Paul thus says the Holy Spirit. Relationship. Vertical with the Father. Another one is prayer. We see prayer. The people gathered with Paul, and, and and they gathered and they prayed. For them, this wasn't a, a, a ritual, something that they must do. I love that description of when Paul was heading to his ship to set sail from Tyre. Um, the people that he stayed with and others in the church, them with their whole family, their wives and their children, they walked Saul, Paul. They walked him to the ship. They walked with him out of town to where the ships sail. And they went with with Paul, they, they they got there early enough that they could go down to the beach, and, and and I just I imagine it doesn't say it, but I imagine them circling up with their kids and their wives and Paul and his team. They're circled up on the beach and they're kneeling. It says they kneeled and they prayed. They kneeled and they prayed. They prayed with Paul and they prayed for Paul. They prayed because of their vertical relationship. They prayed because they they knew God. That's why they prayed. They prayed to God because they knew God. They didn't go out of duty, ah, we got to go do this prayer thing for Paul. They prayed because, because they knew God, and they knew that God heard their prayers. They prayed because they knew who God was and what God could do, and God was able to do far more than them to keep and protect Paul on his mission. They, 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 they prayed because of their, their faith in God, knowing who He was, knowing what He could do. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed because of that relationship. The good news of the gospel is not simply that we, we get to go to heaven. I mean, that's going to be a beautiful thing. But the good news of the gospel is really that our relationship with God has changed 180 degrees. The, the, the beauty of the gospel is that when we go to heaven, when we get there, He's going to be there. That's the beauty of heaven. The beauty of heaven is nothing if God isn't there. The beauty of heaven is nothing if we can't behold the glorious face of Jesus forever and ever and ever. Our relationship has changed 180 degrees in the gospel, in the work of Jesus. We were enemies of God and now we are sons and daughters. We were were fatherless children and now we are a child of the King. We were distant from God and distant from His promises, distant from Him, and Christ has brought us near. Christ has brought us near, and by the blood of Christ, we, we are brought into this covenant with God, and we are sealed in the Holy Spirit of God until the day of our redemption. We are marked as His. We are kept as His. We are protected as His. Where, where, once, where once we were cast out, Now we are forever near our God. He gives us family, right? Like like, like I said, we were fatherless and now we have a father. And he happens to be the king of the universe. And and not only do we have a father, but we have brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters with one another in Christ. He He gives us family. He gives us a place to belong. A people to belong to. He gives our life meaning and and purpose. We see all of that in these these verses. We see a, a people walking in the truth of their new relationship with God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That changed relationship vertically with God, changing everything, everything in the lives of these believers, including every horizontal relationship that they had. Now, I haven't talked about Paul, and I'll just mention here, um, Paul, we were talking about the other believers and their vertical relationship, we see all of that in, in Paul as well, we've seen it week after week when we go through the book of Acts, Paul was a man who, who loved Jesus with all of his heart, he believed deeply the good news of the gospel, he saw himself as one of those fallen people reconciled to God and made a son because of Jesus, it was this good news that Paul proclaimed. All of his life showed that he had a new vertical relationship with God. Paul followed the Spirit. When the Spirit said go, I mean, we're talking about it in these verses, I am compelled to go to, to Jerusalem no matter what the danger is. When the Spirit said go, Paul went. When the when the Spirit said, hey, Paul, put on the brakes, you can't go there right now, Paul stopped. Paul had a relationship with With the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led him here um, again, saying he is compelled by the Spirit to go, even even against the begging of the people around him. All of this just points to the vertical relationship that he had, and the fact that Paul walked with God. There's one more vertical relationship that I want to point out um, quickly here, and it's theirs together. Their vertical relationship together with the Father, Paul and the believers. Verse 10 again. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Let the will of the Lord be done. I think Luke wrote this because this is truly where they landed. They were in disagreement. They were in disagreement. Uh, The Holy Spirit speaking to God's people and speaking through God's people, this this great warning to Paul. Uh, This was the Holy Spirit. They were warning. They were begging Paul not to go. That's what they took the warning to mean. Don't go to Jerusalem. They were certain that Paul didn't need to go to Jerusalem. So they begged and they pleaded and they even wept as as they begged him. Paul was certain of the exact opposite. Certain he believed that the Holy Spirit was telling him, even with this warning, he, he was compelled, he was constrained, Paul, go to Jerusalem. This is where you have to go. Who was right? I think we should be challenged here. Oftentimes in our uncertainty, we are frozen with fear. Unable to take a step in any direction because of our uncertainty. Sometimes that uncertainty becomes a bundle of anxiety for us. What if we don't do the right thing? What if we mess this up? What if we go to the wrong place? Should I go? Should I not go? Should I do this? Should I not do this? I'm sure you've been there. Together, Paul and the believers landed in the safest place that there is. Let the will of the Lord be done. It's a place of genuine faith. I I, I don't think that this was some fatalistic view of God that sometimes we have. Like like we would say, whatever, God's in control, whatever, God's got it. I, I don't think that's the way that they were looking at this at all. I don't think that this was just some sort of cheesy Christian cliche thing that they were throwing out there. I think they meant it. I, I, I think that this was the place that they found peace. This was where they found peace. I I, I think that they were comfortable with leaving the results, whatever they were, in the hands of God. Paul, if you go, let the will of the Lord be done. Paul, if you stay, let the will of the Lord be done. I think they trusted him. Not Paul, not themselves. Not what they thought that they heard from the Holy Spirit or what Paul thought that he heard from the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think they trusted God. Like wholeheartedly in this they trusted God. And so they could say with peace because of this vertical relationship that together they shared with God, let the will of the Lord be done. They, they, they believed that God was sovereign, yes, and that is an amazing thing. Like God is in control, God's got this. They believed that God was sovereign, but they also believed, they believed that God was good. They believed that God was loving, that this sovereign God was loving, and that He was kind, and that He was gracious and merciful. They, they, they believed that, that He was a good good Father who had their best interests as His children in mind, so that even if they messed up, even if they made the wrong decision, they were still in the hands of their sovereign, good, kind, loving, merciful God who would protect them and love them and keep them and provide for them. Are you with me? Like they truly believe that's who God was. They truly believe that no matter what, God would work all things together for good. This wasn't a cheesy cliché. It was a statement of their confidence and hope in their Father. And I love that. The reason they had that confidence and the reason that they had that hope was because of the vertical relationship that they had together with God. I need to wrap this up quickly. On the surface, we see in in these verses just... Paul's next steps, right? Paul's journey from Miletus to Jerusalem and his stops along the way. On the surface, we, we, we get this feeling, and we should. I, I think this is part of what Luke was writing, this, this feeling that things are not going to go well for Paul. There is a building tension as the church is, is, is begging Paul not to go. As there is a prophecy from the Holy Spirit. Paul, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be bound. You're going to be turned over to the Romans. There is a growing tension in the story. But I think if we dig beneath the surface, we see more. I think we see the rich relationships that the gospel brought to Paul and the church relationships with one another and relationship with God. Christianity wasn't for them a religious practice or 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 just something that going to church or going to MC it, it wasn't something that they would do when they could work it into their their busy schedule. The gospel changed them. And so it changed everything about their lives everything everything was changed by the gospel I think that we are left not with a list of do's and don'ts this morning so I hope that you don't leave with a list of do's and don'ts this morning I think we are left with the opportunity to consider our own relationships do they look like the relationships that we see here relationships with one another horizontally relationship with God vertically do they do they reflect if we if we looked honestly at the relationships in our own lives those vertical and and, or that vertical and those horizontal do, do they reflect the change that we we say we believe about the gospel do we see in our lives how the gospel has changed those relationships do they do they reflect who we are in Christ that we are his children, that we are sons and daughters of the king, brothers and sisters with one another. What do our relationships reveal of our faith? I see in their lives, lives full, lives full of faith, hearts full, hearts full from the relationships in their life, hearts full from the relationships with one another, hearts full from their relationship with God, a, a, a people who knew Him, who knew the voice of His Spirit, who faithfully followed because they truly believed. I see, I see relationships, a life full of deep and meaningful relationships. And some of that I see with longing, longing in my own life, because, because I know that there are areas of my life that I lack that. Maybe maybe that's not you. Maybe your life is full like this, and I am thankful if that is true of you. What a beautiful life God gives to us because of Jesus. Beautiful relationships that we were created for, but, but maybe you're like me and there are areas that aren't. I think we can pray that God would help us with those. What a grace it is this morning that God is calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. Because I think that's what we see here. God is calling us to a deeper relationship with Him. One that maybe we don't have. And a a grace that God is calling us to a deeper relationship with one another. Let's pray. Father, it is a grace to be reminded of all that You have done for us in Christ so much more than we remember and think of, fixing our brokenness. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us that we are created for more. And I pray that you would, as Jesus said, that you would, Holy Spirit, convict us in our lives of those areas where we fall short. I pray that you would encourage us, encourage us in our our relationships, our relationship with the Father. Sometimes we feel like we we have sinned one too many times, we have tried and failed one too many times, and surely God has done with us. Holy Spirit, remind us that, 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 that we are children forevermore in Christ. And our good Father is never done with us. And there is, there, is, there is no sin or amount of sin that we could do that would, would cause our Father to turn His back on us. So encourage us to grow deeper in our relationship with our Father. Encourage us in our relationship with one another as well uh, to know. to know that there is more. I pray, Father, that as Jesus said to his disciples, we would be known by the, the gospel would be known. Jesus would be known. We would be known as his by the love that we have for one another. Father, help us. Help me where I fall short in those relationships. Give us courage, faith in the gospel, faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.